For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, it is that time of year where if you have kids, you know that it is Christmas list time of year. And if your kids are anything like my five kids, there are multiple iterations of your Christmas list. Now, maybe you have a Christmas list. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe as an adult, you've just given up on, you know, somebody showing up in your driveway with a car with a bow on it and saying, I got you a car payment. But it's also, if you're a parent, you're about to teach your kids an important definition. Now, before you start to think that this message is for somebody else, Almost all of us think that these two words mean the same. Many times, how many times you said, oh, I, I need that. Man, I for sure need that ice cream. It's been a long day. I need that ice cream. I need that third dessert. I for sure need that. I need that. 1,700-calorie drink from Dunkin'. I just can't get through the day without it. I need it. I need it. So many times we confuse these two words. And as we just heard in the passage, it's a, the passage we're looking at today in Philippians 4 is one that for people who love the book of Philippians, and for so many Christians, these verses are some of our favorite verses. They are verses that we hold on to. Verse 13 is like the ultimate Christian motivational poster verse of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which we'll get to in a second. But I think our inability to get these two words correct actually robs us of an enormous amount of hope and joy. Robs us of so much of what God is doing in our life. Now, I remember... Um, when our kids were little, I would take, so we have five kids, I would take um, each kid out, we would exchange names, and I would take them out to shop for uh, their siblings. And so each one, you know, was buying, was picking out a different gift for a different sibling. So I would take out, you know, our, our oldest daughter, and she was buying for somebody else. Now, inevitably, as I would walk through the store with, didn't matter which kid it was, we would be walking through the toy aisle and they would say something like this. Hey, dad, do you see that over there? Yeah, that's on my list. <laughs> so dad, when you come back, make sure whoever has my name knows that's on my list. That's the one. Dad, did you get a picture of that? Like, I want to make sure you get the right one. It's, it's not the one, it, it's not that one, it's this one. Now, we do the same thing, because what happens if, if I got that one over there, but not this one? Now, we might, as an adult, 
we may act excited. We, we learn how to like shape our faces a little bit better. But as a five-year-old, you're going, but I said I wanted this one. And again, need and want. Now, I want you to think, if you're a follower of Jesus, the last time that you came to Jesus with something and said, Jesus, I need this, and didn't get it, how did it go? Did you need it? Did you need it? The last time that you thought, you know what, I need this, and you didn't get it, how did it go? For some of us, we're able to just kind of roll and just go, hey, you know what, it's just kind of part of the way life goes, it's just kind of how it happens. For others of us, if we didn't get what we said we needed, even though it's probably what we want, it ruined our day. You and I all have experiences in relationships where we have allowed us not getting what we wanted to ruin an evening. And so the confusion of these two words robs us of hope and joy. Now, I want to set the context here because the context of these verses are incredibly important. So if you've been walking with us through the book of Philippians, you know that Paul, as he writes this letter, he's sitting in a jail cell. Now, in the first century in a jail cell, uh, it is not at all what we imagine for a jail cell. Most jail cells at this time were, were caves. They were dug into the rock. They, they were ones that, that didn't have light. They didn't, ha they didn't have like a, a toilet system of any kind. They didn't feed you. It wasn't the, the jailer's job was not to keep you alive. That was not their job. Okay? Their job was to keep you there. That's it. That's it. In fact, in some Roman prisons, if a prisoner escaped, the ones who were on guard took their place, okay? So to get food in a first century jail, you were completely dependent on other people you knew. And we've seen again and again in this letter, Paul writing and talking about the people who come to visit him. If you remember a couple weeks ago, he talked about the one that came to visit him, that traveled 700 miles to be with him. Right, which is a really long way. I mean, some of us right now, we have been invited to Thanksgiving meals and we're like, you know what, like that's, that's really far away. That's in a town in New England that my pastor can't even say correctly. <laughs> 700 miles to come and take care of a need. And so Paul knows, Paul knows the depth of this relationship. Now, here's what's important about the context of these verses that's so easy to miss. Is last week, we looked at the beginning of chapter four where Paul writes about how our fears, how our worries, and how our anxieties rise up and they rob us of the peace of God, okay? There is, as he moves right into these verses about contentment, there is a deep deep connection between the peace of God and our contentment. There is a deep connection, as we're going to see today in these verses, between the peace of God and our contentment. And I think one of the ways we live out our contentment and one of the ways that we learn how to experience the hope and joy that God has for us is through the peace of God. Now, this is what it says in verse 10 of chapter 4. It's going to be up on the screen. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Because once again, you renewed your care for me. 
You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, so here's Paul. He's sitting in a jail cell, all alone. And he starts off in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. See, here is an incredibly important thing. We're going to see multiple things about how we live into this contentment and experience the peace of God. But one of them is acknowledging the little blessings that God has given to us. He says, I rejoice because once again you renewed your care for me. When was the last time you thanked God for a close friend? When was the last time? When was the last time that you thanked God for your spouse? I'm sure you've prayed for your spouse if you're married. I'm sure you've prayed about your spouse. I'm sure you have vented to God at some point about your spouse. But when have you said, thank you for your renewed care to me, in me? I rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because somebody cares for me. He says, you were in fact concerned, but lacked the opportunity to show it. He rejoices in the Lord for their care for him. See, too often we take these little things of relationships for granted. We, we take for granted the people that we interact with. We take for granted the people that we see each day. We take for granted the people uh, that we talk to. See, but part of our confusing these things and missing out on the hope and joy that God has for us is because we take for granted all these little things. We take for granted the gifts that God has given to us. We spend most of our time doing what? Thinking about the things I don't have. Instead of saying, God, thank you for what I have. Thank you for the friend that I have. Thank you for the community that I have. Instead, we'll say, if only I had this, if only I had that, just wait till I get that. Then I'll be thankful. Just wait till my kids pick up after themselves. Then I'll be thankful. Teenagers are thinking, just wait till, wait till my parents listen to me, and then. Instead of focusing so what does Paul do? Paul doesn't say, hey, you know what? Like when I get out of prison, have you noticed we haven't once heard anything from Paul in this letter about what he will do when he gets out of prison? It is thank you for what I have. He's focusing on, on the things that he has. He says, I don't say this out of need, which is astounding to me in verse 11 where he says, I don't say this out of need because he has an enormous amount of needs, okay? He is sitting in prison by himself, doesn't know when or if he'll get out, doesn't know how he is gonna eat his next meal, and he says, I don't say this out of need, and we would think, bro, you have a lot of needs. Like, you, you have a lot of things that you don't have. And he says, I don't, I don't say this out of need. 
For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I have learned to be content, which gives us a key, okay? This is an important key to this passage. Contentment is learned. Contentment is not a natural thing. It's the reason that when you give something to a child, what do you say to them? Hey, be sure to say thanks. Can you say thanks? Because that reflects pretty badly on me. If you don't say thanks, could you say thanks? We have to tell people to say thank you. Why? Because gratitude doesn't come naturally to most of us. If it comes naturally to you, that, that is incredible. It makes it so much easier for you. But for me, contentment doesn't come natural. Right? I, I walk through any store, I scroll through any online store, and I just think, man, I, I really, really, really want that and need that. Right? And then what happens when we get it? If you're anything like me, you think, ah, oh, I should have gotten the other one. Why did I get this one? This one isn't as good. Like that review, that, clearly that person didn't know what they were talking about with that review. And we have buyer's remorse about it. And he says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. That contentment is the secret to a well-lived life. Contentment is the secret to a well-lived life. See, contentment is a learned practice. See, but contentment, like I said, the difference between need and want is not just something that shows up for our kids at Christmas time. Here's a couple ways it shows up. It's springtime. And we just can't wait for summer, for vacation, for the kids to get out of school. So what do we do? In springtime, we begin looking forward to what's next. And then it's summer. And then we think, man, it's, when are these kids going back to school? How hot is it going to get? Man, why didn't I stay in touch with that person who has the pool? Man. And then fall rolls around, and we think, oh, I just can't wait for the holidays. Just can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get, and then winter comes, and we think, oh, I just can't wait for spring. Can't finally wait for spring. When we're teenagers, what do we do? We think, I just, can't, I just can't wait till I'm old enough to move out. Can't wait till I'm old enough to be an adult. Get into our 20s, and what do we think? I can't wait till I'm the boss. Can't wait till I can tell people what to do. That's got to be easy. And then we become the boss, and what do we think? Man, I wish I was in my 20s. Man, I wish I didn't have responsibilities like I do now. Right? When you have kids at home, you think, I just can't wait till they move out. And then when they move out, we think, I just wish they would call more often. See, here's what happens. No matter what season, this is so important because Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Because so many times we find ourselves in circumstances that we want to be out of onto the next one. And Paul says, no, no, no. If you don't learn to be content in whatever circumstances you find yourself in, you will miss the hope and the joy and the peace that God has for you. The hope and joy and peace is not found in the next thing. It is not found in the next stage of life. Learning in whatever circumstance. And this is really hard because I remember a few years ago, I, I was just at a really low point a couple of years ago in Arizona. I, was, I remember talking to uh, my counselor and spiritual director and I said, Jim, I was like, 
I'm reading through Philippians right now, and I said, I'm just, I'm just praying, God, help me to be content. Help me to be content. Help me to be content. And he said, well, what is it that God wants you to enjoy now? What is God inviting you? What gift is God inviting you to enjoy now? See, because it's so easy in our circumstances to remember back or to look forward and to say, I remember when God did all of this and I remember how when God was there and I remember how, it was so great. Have you noticed how great memories get the further we get? Man, it was amazing. It was romantic and it was this and it was that. Or uh, it's gonna be so incredible. But what is God inviting us to experience in him here? That's the circumstances we're in. And I don't know what your circumstances are. But Paul says, sitting in a jail cell, I have learned in whatever circumstances. I I love, he does this so many times in his letters. He says things like everything and anything and whatever. So that when you're like, yeah, but Paul, but what about this? He's like, whatever circumstances. Yeah, but what if this happened? Whatever circumstances, we are able through the power of God to learn to be content. Whatever life stage, whatever you have or don't have, you and I can learn to be content. And the peace of God is in that place. See, this is why Paul rolls right from the peace of God into contentment. It's the very next sentence. He says, the peace of God, what does he say? This is so important. At the end of verse 9, he says, as we dwell on the things of God, the God of peace will be with you. And then he rolls right into contentment and learning in whatever circumstances you're in. These are deeply connected for Paul. These are not two different topics. These are deeply connected. And so how do we learn? We learn by practicing. We learn by doing it, by repeating a practice or a habit. Uh, according to Charles Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habit, half of what we do, he says, is a habit. Now, there are some studies that estimate up to 90% of what we do every day is simply a habit, something we do without thinking. Okay, you probably have a way that you get up and get ready in the morning. There's, there's probably an order to it, and you feel weird if you like do it out of order. At least I do. I feel really weird. I feel like I got to start over. But we do so many things out of habit, and contentment to learn it is something we have to practice. See, one of our practices as a family is at our family Sabbath dinner each week is we will pull out our gratitude list, and we'll just talk through what are areas that we've seen God at work this past week. How have we seen God move? How have we seen uh, people just bless our family or be generous and gracious to our family? How have we seen just unexpected gifts show up? Even being thankful for changing seasons in life and in the year. For our family, we're experiencing fall for the first time and we're and we're we're just enjoying it. We're just trying to enjoy it. Because as one author said, happiness does not lead to gratitude. Gratitude leads happiness. One of the things that I've started to do over the last couple of years is, or the last couple of weeks is I text two friends every other day. And each day I text them 
the best thing that happened in the last two days, the worst thing that happened in the last two days, and a prayer request. And they respond back. And what that is causing me to do is it's causing me to see, okay, what, what are the best things that God is doing? How is God at work? Just that really small thing is changing my perspective. It's teaching me to learn contentment. Instead of just saying, oh, I, just, I just wish it was this thing over here. I wish it was this. But it's causing me to pull back and say, okay, what, what is God giving me in whatever circumstances I find myself in? See, Paul is teaching us, learn contentment. Learn contentment. It is a learned practice. It's possible. It's not impossible. For some of us, it's a lot harder. For others, you're really great at gratitude. You're great at thankfulness. You're one of those like, hey, every day is, you know, you know, just different. It's totally fine. I'll be fine. You know, I can survive with like a spatula and a knife. It'll be okay. Like, learn contentment in whatever circumstances. And when we learn, as we grow, look at verse 12. I know how to make do with little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Now, what is contentment? I haven't really defined it yet. One author said this, it's, I think is really helpful. He says, Christian contentment is the God-given ability to be satisfied with the loving provision of God in any and every situation. When Paul uses the word content, that word can also mean in the Greek, which is the, what the New Testament was written in, to be satisfied, adequate, competent, and sufficient. Everything you need. Adequate. Yeah, but I'd really, I'd really like a little bit more. Adequate. Sufficient. See, Paul grew up Historically, we know Paul grew up in an incredibly uh, wealthy family, had everything he could probably ever want in the first century, and then found himself in numerous times shipwrecked in prison, in poverty. And so he says, hey, in whatever circumstances, in a lot, in a little, I've learned to be content. I have learned that God will provide all that I need. I've learned that God will provide all that I need because contentment is the secret to a well-lived life. Now, if like me, you think, yeah, but this is really hard. It's really hard to be content. It's really hard to, to not focus on what somebody else at the office has. It's really hard to not focus on what my neighbor has. It's really hard to not focus on, you know, what I used to be able to do. Like this past week, for example, Basically, you know, I, I've learned that apparently there's all kinds of new allergens in New England that I've never really been around. And so, I've, I, like, I've had a headache for like a week and a half. And I'm like, okay, that's, thanks for the lesson, God. I'll be content in whatever circumstances. Great head and not, you know. See, Paul doesn't say just, just stop whining. He doesn't say just push through it. Now, what does he say? Verse 13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. See, this verse we oftentimes point to when people have this huge mountain to climb, 
this huge giant to slay. And, and this verse is part of that. But this verse also just means small things. Because he says all things. And I don't want you to miss, there, there is a connection with this verse to contentment and our fight to learn contentment. So when Paul writes this verse, he doesn't write it about a different topic. He puts it on the tail end of his paragraph about contentment. And so when you and I go, yeah, but contentment just feels so hard. It feels impossible. Like I really, I really, really just want to do this. Paul says, you are able to do all things through him who strengthens you. What does that mean, strengthens? It means he will strengthen us when we don't get everything we want. He will strengthen us when all of a sudden we start to think, yeah, but I just need to go after what I want. He will strengthen us when we get weak. And part of that strength as well, I think, is the Spirit speaking to us saying, these are the little things that I've given to you. These are the things I've already provided in plenty and in little. See, this verse is not just about how you go out and conquer the next big thing. This verse, in verse 13, is connected to how we on a daily basis learn the secret of contentment. Because we need the strength of God to do that. See, throughout this whole series, like I've said, I, I love how Paul just again uses words like everything, anything, whatever, all things. What fits under all things? All things. See, sitting in a jail cell, here's what Paul has been reminding us throughout this whole series. I don't want you to miss this. That through Christ, in Christ, you and I can do all the things that Paul has written to us about. We have one more week in this series. But when Paul says that I am able, that you are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what he is also saying is he is recapping the entire book of Philippians and saying, everything that I have written to you, you can do through God, through Christ. Everything that I have said. So here's just a few things that he said. That in Christ and through Christ, you and I can fight loneliness and enter into community no matter how scary it is. That's part of all things. That's what we saw in chapter one. That in Christ and through Christ, your suffering, your pain, your hardship, your dark moments are never wasted and you never walk alone because in Christ, you are with Christ. And you can face all all things through him who strengthens you. That in Christ and through Christ, you can grow into the person that God has called you and created you to be. All things. That in Christ and through Christ, your life can and will count, no matter how big or small the things that you do, no matter if anyone ever remembers your name, your life will matter. That falls under all things. That in Christ and through Christ, your heavenly Father is good and always does what is good, right, and perfect and chases you to the ends of the earth to rescue you. That in Christ and through Christ, you can reach the goals and passions that God has wired into you, that God has placed into your life. That is part of all things. 
Chapter three, we saw as well that in Christ and through Christ, you and I can be satisfied in life. We saw it again today. And just like last week, you and I can let go of control and experience the peace of God. All of these things. So when we read through Philippians and we say, I I, I don't know how in the world I can do the things that God is calling me to. Paul says in verse 13, you and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things. There is not a thing that God has placed in you or called you into that you can't do through the power of God. And that also includes kind of a weird lesson at the end of Philippians of learning the secret of being content. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So here's my challenge for you this week. I mentioned earlier about pulling out the Connect card. And you'll notice at the very bottom, there's a few different next steps there. Uh, Maybe for you, a next step is jumping into a team or into a group. But you'll notice there, there's a next step that says contentment. And so here's my challenge for you this week. Spend the next week taking a seven-day contentment challenge. It's going to be really simple. And it's going to stretch you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose one person. If you check this box, I'll send this information to you tomorrow. But I want you to choose one person that over the next seven days, you will text them three different things that you are thankful for. So that at the end of the week, you have 21 things. Now, here's what you're going to find. By about day four, the assignment will start. Because it's really easy to get through like the first six to nine things. And that's when you start to go, okay, what actually has God given to me that I just miss? Maybe you think, I, you know, I don't know that I want to send that to somebody. I don't know that, I, you know, I want to do that. Just write them down in a journal then. But each day, three different things. Get 21 things by the end of the week. You'll be amazed at how hard it is to get to like 20 and 21. It's actually not as easy as you think. But I believe that we can learn the difference. And when we learn the difference, contentment is the secret to a well-lived life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you give us the strength to do anything and everything that you call us to. Whether we have everything that we want or just everything that we need, we can learn the secret to be content in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, in whatever life stage we find ourselves in, in whatever place we find ourselves in, we can learn the secret of being content. And God, I pray especially for those right now who are where I was a couple years ago, where learning the secret of contentment in a hard place, in a hard season, is, is just not fun. It is way more fun to learn contentment when we have an abundance, an abundance of energy, an abundance of relationships or career or finances. And so I just pray, especially right now for those who are in that place where contentment is really, really hard to find. I pray that the power of your spirit would strengthen them, 
I pray that the power of your presence would be overwhelming to them right now. I pray that you would remind them that they are not alone. That maybe they resonate so deeply with Paul sitting by himself in a jail cell. And that you would remind them that you are with them. In your name.